Endorphins are neuropeptides from the hypothalamus and pituitary gland. They cross the blood-brain barrier and head into the opioid receptors to block pain and create feelings of euphoria. And if anything I said resonates inside your head, then tune on in to the Endorphin Report. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Endorphin Report. Paul here, and I'm here with uh, Daniel and Cynthia. So, what are we doing this week? Charlie St. Cloud. Yeah, this is a movie from 2010. And something about this movie has lingered in your mind, Cynthia. Okay, so imagine this was eight years ago. This Uh is a while ago. And I'm not proud of this one, but something was going on in my brain eight years ago. And I saw the trailer and I was like, I kind of want to see this. And I don't know why. It looks cheesy, but I just want to go. But I didn't want to inflict it on anybody because I knew it wasn't going to be good. So I went on a Saturday morning by myself. And I was like one of like 10 people who are by themselves as well in the theater. Mm -hmm. And this movie exceeded my bad expectations. I was like, whoa. And so the level of of crap was um it stuck with me it was in one of those theaters where like everybody is equidistantly placed around the thing as as far away from each other as possible oh yeah we were all on the same level there which is which solidarity right something drew us all there (laughs) were you all 20 something women or 50 something women no there were some men by themselves Uh uh-huh were they wearing long coats (laughs) so you didn't go just for irony you went because there was something in the trailer no i went because something in the trailer i just needed that level of cheesy in my in me but i didn't realize how bad it was gonna be do you remember (laughs) the moment in the trailer that made you think there's gonna be some good endorphin sprinkles in this movie yeah his sculpted face with the cgi blue eyes he had like wait cgi I was like i could do this oh they look so cgi'd they're just like Boom, blues. I'll never believe they're CGI. But uh, did you find, well, we'll get into this about whether it had some of these moments that we look for, that you look for specifically, endorphin moments. Yeah. Well, let's get into the plot. Let's see, let's see how, how this ended up going. Yeah. So, Paul, you know nothing about this movie. No. I'm hoping it involves uh, uh, somebody who can fly, maybe, is in a cloud. I don't know. Close. <laughs> he is a superhero. Yeah, he's a superhero. He's basically just a guy in a tight shirt a lot of the time. <laughs> so he is he's coming off High School Musical here, and he's just like, I'm going to be in an adult role. And he's trying real hard, and he's muscular, but not the steroid Zac Efron he is now. So he... He's like, in the, they establish him in the beginning. He's like a really good sailor. He's a really good brother. So he's, you know, he's got this brother who's named Sam, who's like, oh, geez, Charlie. Like, you know, his brother is like 10, super adorable. Red Sox baseball cap always and wants All to be a baseball time. player when he grows up. Yep. And yeah, he's a high school senior about to graduate and go on to his great future at Stanford. And in case you didn't realize you were in a cheesy movie, they establish it very quickly when his brother is like watching sailboats going out. And he's like, where are they going, Charlie? And he's like, everywhere, everywhere. You and me are going to go there, too. You're going to live forever. (laughs) They just Mm -hmm. and then and then uh, we got a bright future ahead of us. Both of us. Yeah. 
So sailing is his thing, eh? He's a big sailor, and evidently he's great in school, and everybody thinks he's going to go super far, and he's got expectations like up the wazoo. In It's in Quincy in Washington State, although in fact it was filmed uh, in Vancouver and, and the Sunshine Coast, which oh. is close to where we grew up. Very picturesque Pacific Northwest. Uh, and so he's going to go off to college to Stanford. Uh, and his brother is just like, oh, geez, you're going to leave us. And then they're like, he's like, ah, no, don't worry. We're going to like play baseball and I'll teach you how to throw a baseball every day until I leave. And he's like, and if you miss one practice, the deal's off. And he's like, OK, Charlie. But then trouble hits when Charlie decides to go to a party one night when he's babysitting his brother. He's going to drive his brother, drop him off somewhere, and he's going to go to the party. And then while they're driving, they get hit from behind, throws him into a truck. Then you just show Charlie, like, basically, like, being pumped, like, zapped alive in an ambulance. And his brother, unfortunately, is dead. Whoa. We're cut to the funeral, and... uh... He's not dealing well with it. He's supposed to throw Sam's baseball glove into the grave, and he can't do it. He runs off into a patch of the forest, and there's Sam, his little brother, standing there in a clearing. Whoa. Whoa. And Sam's like, hey, should we play catch now? Because it's the evening. The cannons are firing. Sunset. They have to meet at sunset every day, which is a very unclear time, but sunset. And cannons fire when it's sunset? This was what happens in the town, Cannons Fire. This is the picturesque town. For some reason, they have a lot of cannons. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's white person stuff. So he sees his brother, and at this point, you're like, okay. You know, he's he's literally playing baseball with his brother, throwing the ball back and forth, his dead brother. And it doesn't, like, go through his brother or anything. Like, he, doesn't, can, he... he just keeps catching it and throwing it back. And then they cut to, so you're like, okay, he's going to do this every day. And then they cut to five years later. And you're like, you've been doing this for five years? Holy crap. Holy crap. Is his brother getting older? No, His no. brother is still 11 years old. And he's still not very good at baseball. Like, he's still not very good at throwing it. Right, that's what, that was a question I had, wow. whether ghosts can improve on skills with practice, <laughs> or do they stay the same? Maybe Zach Efron's just a really terrible teacher. It's possible. Yeah, after five years of practicing, you should be pretty good, right? Yeah. But so, but so he's given up his, he never went to Stanford, he never sailed again, and he's a caretaker at the cemetery where his brother is buried. So he takes care of the grounds, and he does it in, like, the sexiest way he possibly can. Like, he's, like, opening <laughs> gates with a strut, and he's just like, uh, like, they're definitely being, like, angles, angles, tight shirt. I notice he closes the gates behind him as well, which I think is very symbolic, that he's closed the gates on his, uh, yeah, he basically never goes out. There's this groundskeeper uh, working for him, Alistair, who's about his age. Who's like a cockneyed British dude. Yeah, who jokes around a lot. But he's not just being a caretaker and hallucinating his brother every day at sunset. He also, they show him um, talking to a soldier friend of his friends who went off. So he talks to his soldier friend Dave at Franco. a grave. Yeah. Dave Franco, little Dave Franco. And then you see his other friend watch him talking to nothing. And you realize he's hallucinating his friend who also died. Mm. Like, is he seeing all sorts of dead people in the cemetery or just his friends? Just those two, you evidently. So, But he plays ball with his brother every day. They also have a lot of shots in which it rains. And it's like a wet t-shirt contest with Zac Efron. So, <laughs> Does he win? 
Oh, yeah. He's just like sliding. <laughs> oh, they put him in water. There's all a lot of stuff. No, nobody even bothers to show up for the contest when they hear that Zach Gaffron no, is in. No, they're just like, yeah. he wins, hands down. Five Boom. years in a row. <laughs> do, you, do you get to see what he's actually doing when he's playing catch? No. With his brother? They never show that. They just show him playing ball back and forth because it makes no sense. How would you, like, throw the ball back and forth? Throws it and then runs over and picks it up. And yeah, no, they don't show him that. Back. They just show him literally throwing it back and or forth. Or his brother it's... might be invisible. Like, he might just be an invisible ghost. So one day in the graveyard is Tess going to visit her father's grave. She knows him uh, a little bit from high school, but they didn't really talk. And it turns out that she's about to embark on this six-month sailing trip around the world. And Charlie has not sailed for the last five years. Hmm. Yeah, she's going to be six months by herself sailing around the world on her own. And she's like in magazines and stuff. And she's wearing a lot of short shorts. And There's a very uncomfortable moment where Charlie brings his brother the magazine that she shows up in. And, and <laughs> Sam is like, I'm going to go masturbate to this later. And he's like, shut up. Dude, like, you're 11. Ghost? I know. He rips out the middle page. Uh, Wait, the ghost rips out the middle page in the magazine? Yeah, the ghost rips out the middle page of the magazine, and he's like, I want this picture. And he's like, no, man. It's weird. Stuff gets real weird in this movie. So she's going to sail around the world. Um, He also bumps into the paramedic that saved his life, who's like, we need to catch up for no reason. And Played by Ray Liotta. Yeah, they establish he's never done anything and that this paramedic has cancer. And then he's like, you were brought back to life for a reason. You need to, like, do something with your you need life. To live. And Zach Efron's like, whatever. You didn't die in that accident. You can live. Yeah, they get real, real deep there. But then mm. he goes to a bar. He gets into a bar fight with a dude who, like, mentions his bad driving history. And then he goes to walk around the boats and he sees Tess's big ass like yacht boat that she's going to go around and you know the world in and they talk for like five minutes he's like oh i like your boat and she's like i remember you and and that's about it he's like i've been working on this revolutionary new design for a boat oh yeah get that this. which like makes no sense it's biologically inspired you're gonna attach <laughs> like a whale fin to your boat it'll be amazing yeah well, it's like, whatever. So then she's like, I'm going to go test out this boat. I'm going to go out and like make sure it works really well. And he's like, great. So then she goes out. He watches her go out. And then the next day he finds her sleeping by her dad's stone in the cemetery. And she's got like a bump on her head. And she's just like, oh, I had a rough time in the storm. But, you know, and, he's, she, and then he brings her to his place. He cleans her all sexily. And then they talk. He puts in a stitch. Or no, she doesn't need a stitch. She doesn't need. He just cleans it, dabs it or whatever. And then she's like, he's like, can I, can I see you tonight? Can we go on a date? I can, I can cook you dinner. Yeah. He runs out after her. Yeah. And then what a, what a line. Were you ready for this, Paul? This line? Okay. He's like, do you want beer or wine tonight? And she goes, surprise me. Oh. Sexy mm. line. That's supposed to be a real like spontaneous line of hers that like really enthralls him. He's like so giddy with that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I guess beer would mean one thing and wine would mean another mean another thing in terms of the know. relationship status. It just shows she's a spontaneous, crazy girl, I guess. Yeah. She's very uh, spontaneous, I guess. She's running along the beach. But then they meet 
they they talk briefly. It's about sailing on the date, and then they they make out a little bit. And she's like, "Oh, but I'm going away for six months. This is bad timing." And I'd be like, "Dude, if I was going to be alone for six months, this would be the perfect hookup time." But <laughs> she's evidently like, "No, it's bad timing," and she leaves. But then he runs after her into the cemetery in the night, which is supposed to be sexy, but it's very creepy. He's holding a <laughs> candle in a jar. Doesn't he spend a lot of time in the cemetery at night? Oh, it's so weird. And she literally swoops around him, which is not what you want. You don't want somebody surprising you in a cemetery at night. Mm. Yeah, you don't sneak up on people in a cemetery at night. Yeah. And then get this. The supposedly climactic hot scene in the movie is them having sex in the cemetery where his brother is buried and her dad is buried. And this is so weird. Like they're having sex like on the graves? All like on the ground in the cemetery. It's not specific about it. It doesn't show them up against a tomb or no. They just show them kiss and then go on the ground and then it's kind of pan. It just kind of like shows the next morning or something. Yeah, he wakes up and she's gone. But there's a note that says, "Come find me." And uh, so he goes down the beach and he finds her. They go sailing together. They spend the day sailing. Oh yeah, which he hasn't done for five years. Yeah. And then at sunset, he has to go see his brother. So he goes and sees his brother, and then she shows up and realizes what's going on. And then they have a fight because he's like, I have to be with my brother. I can't be with you because the more I'm with you, the less I can be with him. And then they kind of break up. And he he goes to a cafe to kind of sit and feel sad. And then we're going to stop, and you're going to guess what happens after. What happens next, Paul? Okay, he's in a cafe. I'll give you one more thing. And then some, like, official people come in. Don, what happens next, Paul? What happens next, Paul? What happens next in the whole movie, and how does it end? Oh, what happens... Um, and then some official people come in. For for some reason, my first thought is that, like... Is this, is this like, a Sixth Sense thing? Like, it turned... That she's actually dead, too, or something? What's go? You gotta finish the movie. What happens in the movie? And then, and so he, I, I feel like, like he goes off like with her on the six month thing, but you know, the, his Sam comes along with them for some reason. And so they can still play catch, but on the boat. <laughs> so wait, he goes off with two ghosts to sail with around the ghosts world? ghosts by himself. Yeah. Maybe he's also a ghost. So everybody in this movie is so dead? So everybody's dead and they're all together and happy. <gasps> And Ray Liotta is, you said Ray Liotta is also a ghost? No, he's got cancer. So Ray Liotta is on the boat as well? That doesn't seem (laughs) like that. No, no, he's not on the boat. (laughs) But he never did, I don't know. This is... Okay, this finish is it. very confusing. Is that is that the is that your ending? That that the, yeah. I, I think I the ending I think is the is uh, Charlie uh, and Tess sailing off and sam is like with them or like or there he's like watching them not either watching them from the shoreline or he's with them even though he's still dead but she's also dead i feel like <laughs> i feel like she's maybe not dead but close the, the, there's something to do with her being like her father's dead we already know that Sure, I'm going to say that she's actually dead. Okay. We ready to tell him? All right. You know, that's a ridiculous ending, but you're not far off because this is a ridiculous film. Okay. She's dead. 
She's not she's dead? dead. She's actually... Only mostly dead. She's half dead because it turns out the officials come into the cafe and they're like, Tess's boat never came back when she went out on that Tess run. It never oh, came back. Right. He's like, oh my God. And he runs to look at his sailboat they had gone sailing on and it turns out it had never been used, which means... This is going to blow your mind. He was basically having a sex scene with a ghost, which means he was just jacking off in a cemetery by himself, which is so much creepier. (laughs) Was he jacking off or was he just having sex with a ghost in the air? Isn't that kind of jacking off? Like, I guess. Like, it did seem weird that she would go out on this test thing and then next time he would see her, she would be like in the cemetery, but like wounded. Like somehow yeah, she came yeah. back. She came back from this trip and then made her way over to the cemetery and just yep. kind of fell asleep yeah. there. Yeah, no, that, that is weird. Good pickup. He goes and talks to her ghost. Then, like, he goes back to the cemetery naturally, and he talks to her, and he's like, "You're not with us anymore." And she's like, "What?" And then Zac Efron's like, "Oh my god! Like, I need to go find her. I think she's still alive. Like, he thinks she's in this half world of not fully dead but not fully alive." <laughs> Uh, so he goes out on a boat, he steals a boat, and goes out, and he does find her boat crashed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he swims out into the boat. It's very tense and he exciting. He his shirt off first, by the way. Yeah, he has to well, take yeah, his shirt he off. He doesn't want to get it wet. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, and he he actually finds that her body has been thrown clear onto a little tiny island somehow. Yeah. And she's like, she's like blue and unconscious, which means she's been like that probably for three days. But evidently what she really needs is his naked body on top of her. So he strips her clothes and he takes his like lifesaver off and he just like hugs her back to life. So they get helicoptered out and they're like, your body warmth saved her. And I'm oh. eye rolling right now. Like, it's just like, oh, <laughs> really? Because, like, she's been there for a while, right? I know. Like, how long were they dating for? No, they didn't even date. They talked for five minutes. In, in real life, they talked for five minutes. But as a ghost, they had like 48 hours together. Yes. But while he was on the boat chasing after her, he missed one of his baseball matches with Sam. And so Sam went into the light. Yeah, Sam went to the other side. Oh. So it, this is one of those, like, he's been doing the baseball thing not to uh, disappoint Sam, and Sam's having to keep showing up there because he keeps showing up. Yes. That's, it's a codependent situation. Yes. Yeah. So she gets better. He decides to move on with his life. And get this, this, this working class boy buys a yacht, and mm. he comes up to her, her place, which is also on the water. These people are filthy rich. And she, he's like, she talks to him and he's like, you know, he's kind of like, how are you doing? Yeah, he probably thinks he's working class, but not yes. really. <laughs> no. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of sailing again. I'm afraid of you because I had visions of us together. So many visions. Yeah. He's like, uh. they were, those visions were real. And they don't even try to compare what they actually both thought together. They just assume it was the same. In my dreams, <laughs> you were a 12-foot-tall giraffe, and we were somehow on Sesame Street, except it wasn't really like Sesame Street. Oh, yeah, totally, it's me like too. That, yeah, that, so, that, yeah, that was about what happened, yeah. So yeah, they just sure. literally, they just kind of kiss, and they literally decide to go sailing off on the yacht together, and everybody hugs them, and then they make out. The end. So you're right about the sailing off together, except she actually is alive. 
There's no thing with uh, with uh, the little kid though. Actually, he comes back one last time to say, "Hey, I'm good," which nope. is bullshit. He's nope. should be on the other side. No, he doesn't. He doesn't show up. Yes, he does. He shows he up does? right at the end. Uh, he not does? at the very end. Yeah, he shows up after going to the light, which is complete bullshit. This doesn't make any sense. I know. Ugh. There's and there's no moment where he says, you know, I release you. Uh, yeah. Which is like what it's all been building to. Boo. Ugh. All right. Segments. Segments. So the day after. So they're on this boat. And for and they're stuck together for six months at this point. Right. The, the day after, they're just like, all right, we don't have that much in common. So, yeah. <laughs> dominoes? Yeah. Like six months on a small boat would be tough for like a committed relationship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, is he still going to see different ghosts as they go? Like, what about drowned sailors? I don't oh, know. Wow. Is this just a prequel to Pirates of the Caribbean? (laughs) (laughs) All right, next segment. Next segment. So will they make it? Oh, God, no. I don't think so at all. No. No? Why not? Well, because of all this, they've had 10 minutes to talk. They just really don't have a lot in common besides they like to sail. To me, Mm. when I see them together, I'm like, there's enough fuel in the tank for a really cool weekend. Yeah. They're both really pretty. Good fling. Maybe like a couple days into this six-month trip, they're like, okay, this is not working. While we're still not too far away from shore, let, let's put in to the next port, Could go our separate ways, and then we can continue. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll touch base again when I get back after this trip. This was clearly a mistake. We'll hook up once in a while. Yeah, she was like, I was horny. I was making poor decisions. Sorry about that. I was dead. I was dead. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess that's the question. Is this is this like a thing? Is he going to be is he going to be seeing other people close to death? Yeah, that's going to be real distracting when you're trying to like get intimate. Like this could be a weekly series where he finds a different person in a coma every week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And has sex with them. Charlie St. Cloud. The <laughs> series. <laughs> okay. Next segment. Uh, all right, so this is the ooh versus ooh. Oh, there's so much ooh here. There's so, like <laughs> we should clarify what this segment is. For we're looking at wooing tactics and the ones that would make us go ooh, and the ones that would make us go ew. Uh, so all what right. are what are the romantic things that would be effective and what would be very the opposite of effective? I mean, like the best thing he says for effective is he looks hot and he's like, "I'll cook dinner for you." I mean, that's about it. That they don't really have like interactions. Also, that's all fake. None of it really happens. Right. So that's his imagination of what she would want. So I that's guess. how he hits on her. Evidently, he still has to work for it when he's hallucinating. That's interesting. Yeah. Is that his fantasy of how she would react to his uh, <laughs> his approach? Yeah. That's his fantasy. He's like mm. wine or beer, and she's like, "Surprise me!" And he's like, "Oh, that's a turn on." Like. <laughs> Yeah, in real life, she doesn't drink and she's a vegan or something. Yeah. <laughs> except except that we know that she's real because otherwise he wouldn't have known that she had an accident. So it's not all in his mind. Well, I mean, they talked for five minutes. That's it. And she wrote a note to him, like a physical note. No, he wrote that note. There's no way she never, she never wrote that note. He wrote that note in girly handwriting and he wrote, come find me. 
<laughs> so, uh, but she is intrigued with him before. Her sidekick, who's played by Donald Logue, is like, why are you so interested in that guy? And I'm like, because he looks like Zac Efron. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you literally have to do nothing. As long as you have very straightforward tastes, he's an extremely pretty man. Yes. <laughs> so as we've talked about the making out in the graveyard, that's definitely in the ooh. It's an uh, ooh. Category, yeah. I don't know. I found it to be kind of ooh. Oh, God, no. Like, and also <laughs> when... like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> or boo. <laughs> I imagined like when you're watching the movie, you're supposed to see the fact that like she's a ghost, uh, you know, that it turns out when he, he realizes the moment that she's a ghost, that she, she's not real. I think the reaction they want from you is, oh, my God. But in the theater, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, he did things in those cemetery. Oh, that's not right. I don't know. You Maybe you don't have a goth bone in your body. But to me, like running out in the cemetery with a candle, there's mist everywhere. Uh, I got a little ooh out of that. If they weren't such violently prosaic people, uh, if they had any kind of goth side to them, I think it would be quite romantic. Well, he's holding the candle and she's kind of flipping around. And then all of a sudden she shows up right in his face. And he's like, oh, I would have screamed. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so would not have been a good wooing tactic. I would have just like screamed bloody murder and run out. So if you're really into the Phantom of the Opera, probably would have been good yeah <laughs> what about afterwards when she's alive do they is there any good wooing happening right that's kind of a weird situation because like yeah when she wakes up he's like all right cool i already did all the like laid all the groundwork for this so we're basically <laughs> in a relationship already you're my girlfriend <laughs> know. there's nothing creepier than being like don't worry i hallucinated a whole two dates together this is no one date <laughs> Yeah. You have this whole connection, and you're like, great. Next segment. This is the endorphin report now, oh, I guess. Oh, God. So this is the part where we talk about those endorphin sprinkle moments where we felt felt something. We felt uh, chemistry. We felt tension, romantic moments. So, you, like, you were saying that the trailer really got you for this. Like, the, the trailer had something in it that you were... You felt that you needed. It looked like a very sprinkleable movie. It looked like I'm like, this could have sprinkles. And I guess I desperately need sprinkles then. So I was like, this could throw some endorphins in my brain. And despite the dumbness of it, did it did it fulfill that need? No, it, it failed a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, they have a little kiss. Sure, fine, I guess. It really didn't give a lot of sprinkles. But the movie is basically the most objectification of Zac Efron I've ever seen. Like, they just, mm. every scene <laughs> is showing his sculpted face, and it's all, like, shot to, like, basically show off any possible feature of him. So it's a matter of trying to make him look like some kind of, like, hot Greek god but there's not an actual good connection between him or any good sexual tension that builds up very effectively or well. And as I said, there's so much ooh in it that it's like, ugh. I'm not joking around here. I felt way more chemistry with his friend Alistair, the British, witty British guy who's always kind of hanging around him. He's there when he wakes up in the hospital. You know, he's got a sweater on and he's he kisses him on the cheeks at the end. And I'm like, why can't those two get, be together? He's on the boat when they go searching for him. Like... Alistair's always there for him. Yeah, this could have mm-hmm. been a different movie. And Alistair's alive as far as we know. Yeah, exactly. He was alive the whole time. Is he? 
Yeah. Does anybody else interact with him? <laughs> I was sure at one point that everybody was going to die and come back to visit. And I mean, Alistair's friend, even when he watches Zac Efron actively talk to nothing, you know, I mean, this yeah, guy he really stick him. by him. Yeah. He, he sees him as quirky. He sees him as lovable in some ways. But he's, they, they give him like the worst accent. He's very like, top of the day, governor. Like they really, it's just, it's bad. And what is he doing there? Like as a caretaker in a cemetery. Isn't that his voice? Mm. He's got some good lines with the, about the geese, about hating the geese that are overrunning the cemetery. Also, there's a funny line when he wakes up and Zac Efron takes a sip of the water that's on the bedside <laughs> and it turns out to be Alistair's gin. Yeah. So Alistair's that- there watching over Zac Efron while he sleeps, <laughs> while he wakes up and drinking gin. <laughs> he's consoling himself about the fact that he, he is afraid he will lose him now that uh, What's-Her-Face is out of a coma. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it for this episode. But thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you, Dan, and thank you, Cynthia, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Then tune on in for the endorphin report. The endorphin report.